We're only fighting to protect the plants, our homes. It's the same thing for us. We're only fighting because you guys came and brutally attacked the Earth. My mother was on Junius 7. Welcome to It's a Gundam, the internet's best episode-by-episode Gundam Seed podcast, where we watch every episode of Gundam Seed and then make jokes about how Atherton and Kira are a couple. My name is Jeremy. Is it even a joke? I just feel like it's reality. I'm Tyler. My name is Zach. Great intro, Zach. (laughs) I feel like the show isn't queerbaity, but our podcast is queerbaity, and I can just imagine some like gay listener writing in and complaining. I don't think that's actually going to happen. I think that would actually be hilarious if it did, <laughs> but like, I was just thinking about that while editing some of our older episodes, and I was also thinking about how it's really hard to depict close male friendship in any you know bit of fiction, because it's very difficult to depict, so they just went with a shorthand of romance. Yeah. Which is hilarious. I just like the constant flashbacks of flower blossoms. I mean, it just take the or cherry blossoms, I guess. Just take the cherry blossoms out of the flashbacks, and suddenly it's just a close friendship. But add the cherry blossoms, and suddenly it's a romance. You gotta make the fangirls happy. Not quite. There's not nearly enough insults flying. Um, knowing this from my many friendships, there is many, many more insults involved than is involved in this one. No, yep. they're functional humans. We're not. Also, You're an idiot. Also, if they were just calling each other Baka all the time, that would definitely 100% be a <laughs> relationship and not a friendship. Which one of the... So, if one of them was Sundere, which one would be Sundere? <laughs> I think, like, Atherin makes more sense, right? But if we look at their personalities, it's clearly Kira. Clearly. <laughs> He's the one who's Terrible with emotions. He's just quiet and shut in. I don't even like you, Kigali. Jeez. I mean, Kigali is the most Sundere of all. But... Well, I mean, she she's actually Sundere, so... All right. So we're watching episode 24 this week, War for Two, which is actually also the first episode of OAF MS Team. Wait, uh, really? Same title? Yeah, same title. Huh. I thought you meant, like, they have the same plot where, like, two people are stranded on an island. They're very similar, except for it's a spaceship. that They're running out of oxygen, and they need to quickly find a way to signal for help. I like always on this team. So do I. I am rewatching it. I was hoping to see it all before we did this uh, episode, but I didn't manage it. It's not like the first three episodes, or four, maybe. I think it actually stays just as much time as it needs to without becoming stale. If a thing ends and you want more of it, that is probably a good time for it to end. It was, it's always good to end on a high note, I guess. It's and not... It depends. It's not as good as I remember. It's not like Gundam Wing, where I'm like, if you remember that show being good, don't watch it. Uh, <laughs> it's not that bad, but it's definitely not holding up as well as I'd hoped. But it's oh, still it pretty doesn't... good. Yeah. Part of that is the dub. I should definitely be watching the sub version, because it's clear that they're kind of figuring out how to translate Japanese in an interesting way, but they're still hitting lots of hurdles. Like, there's one point, Shiro uh, insults the uh, girl whose name I can't remember, and she's like, hey, my name is Kiki. And it's like, oh, so clearly he called her Ojo-sama or something in the Japanese, but that's not the insult he used in English, and it does not translate at all. <laughs> I have one of my problems is that, that yeah, that particular storyline moved really fast. So you end up with a crash course through things, and it's like, wait, what? Hang on, go go back. I think there's about a month and a half worth of episodes here that you just skipped. See, it feels like it's going too slow to me so far, far, which is strange, because I was expecting what you're saying, and that's not what I'm feeling. But it could be that the storyline just kicks into gear real fast all of a sudden. That's what I remember is like, the the main storyline is five and six. Yeah, the the pacing is definitely off. That's for sure. But... It's also a thing where I think if I was watching the subbed version, I wouldn't feel this way. But the characters are really, really extreme in a way that's a little grating. Again, I think it's just a thing where they haven't quite figured out how to translate that. Or maybe the voice acting isn't that great. But. I, it, there's some of that. Like, the guy who plays Shiro is really good at being, like, kind of a dumb hero. But he's not so good at the hero parts, right? He's good at the dumb kind of comedic stuff, but not good where it, when he has to shift into... Serious uh, mode. It, it, it's not like he still sounds goofy there. It's just the switch doesn't quite work in a way that it really works when that trope is done at its best. Bash the Sampede? Actually, Trigon did not hold up super well. It was great for high school me, is what I can say about Trigon. <laughs> yeah, Bash is a little just it's just a little too derpy. 
for me. But 08th is on Hulu, and I would recommend you watch it, because it's still good. It's just not as good as I hoped it was when I started watching. In particular, I was thinking that that episode that's very similar to this one was going to be better in 08th, and I didn't think it was. Anything else you want to say before we get into the episode? I haven't been watching much anime recently. I've been playing a lot of anime video games, which is like watching anime. But I'm still watching Gabriel Dropout, which is still hilarious. All right, so Gundam Seed is the show about Kira Yamato. He's Captain America, and he's also like a genetically engineered super soldier called a coordinator. They got attacked by religious groups and all went to space to make a cool space nation. But then the religious people nuked them, so now they're at war with the Earth. But Kira got all caught up with the Earth forces, and all his friends got sort of shanghaied by an Earth forces ship accidentally. So he is their mobile suit pilot. And then they all develop Stockholm Syndrome and join the Earth Forces. Because only coordinators can pilot robots. There's also Mulaflaga. He's the coolest guy. He's an Earth Forces pilot. He had a cool spaceship. Now he has a cool jet that they put the giant mobile suit cannon on, and it's cool. There's also Kigali. She's Sundere and uh, maybe likes Kira, maybe not. Who can tell? She also insists she can be a cool jet pilot, but she's bad at it and got shot down. And that's where the episode begins. <laughs> also, there's uh, Kira's best friend, Athern, who is also a coordinator, who is trying to shoot Kira down because they're on opposite sides of the war. Drama. He also got shot down by Kigali. Uh, <laughs> Somehow. <laughs> and now they're stuck on the same island, uh, facing off with each other dramatically. There's also Isaac, Diarca, and Nickel. But you should just go back to the first episode of our podcast and listen to that. And then you know all about them. Nickel has green hair. Do you really need to sum up everything from first 15 minutes of the podcast? Yep. Yes, it's funny. I like this joke <laughs> a lot. <laughs> All right, I'm going to just start taking a nap for the first 15 minutes until you're done with your spiel. Space by Captain. The, by the end of this... You're going to have like an hour long summary of all the stuff we've already talked about. No, he skipped so much stuff, though. I mean, I didn't even mention Lacus Klein, the best character on the show, or DaCosta, the second best character <laughs> on the show. I should mention the ghost of Andrew Walfelt. He sucks. He's Ron Baral. His ghost has been the villain of this arc. There was also a guy with a beard, but he we can't remember one name for him, let alone two. So, <laughs> well, he's and Captain he's Beardo. Did he have a name? Yeah, he had a name. He was Admiral something. He's dead. I don't know. No, I thought he was Captain. Yeah, he was Captain. He was not an Admiral. So he was just Captain of that one submarine, and <laughs> Raul Crusade was like, hey, random Captain of this one random boat. To be fair, I think Raul Crusade is a Captain himself. Yeah. The way the Zeph military works, there's like General, Captain, Ensign. Oh, well. They work like a Space Marine chapter, <laughs> where it's Grandmaster, Company, Captain, Sergeant, Soldier. That's their rank structure. Oh, what was it? Oh, okay. So they are Space Captain Americas, or if this was G Gundam, they'd be Space Captain Neo Americas. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> I had to get that in there. <laughs> It'd be Neo Captain Americas. No, none of them built boxing robots or surfing robots or cowboy robots or football robots, let alone one that is all of them. So they are not Neo American. <laughs> that is true. <laughs> they have zero Statue of Liberty cannons. I, I thought really the- wish G Gundam was still available. I always thought, what was his name? Max? Max is something. Uh, who are you thinking of? Uh, the, the Neo-American. It's like Max was... Chittery, isn't no, it? Chibity Crockett. Ch- I'm thinking it. of Duo Maxwell. Yeah. Right. No, Chibity Crockett, definitely. I always used to think his hair was a little too ridiculous. <laughs> a but... descendant of Davy Crockett. I'm not making that up. <laughs> That's why his last name is that. You thought his hair was ridiculous, then you watched a Yu-Gi-Oh! episode? No, no, because he has blue hair with, like, a purple forelock. But seeing how ridiculous hair is getting in real life, I have a rainbow fade. And this is only half as ridiculous as Chippity Crockett's hair. I actually expect by the time we get to Neo-American boxing football Gundams that, like, we're not even going to have hair anymore. It's going to be, like, spiky lizards on hats. So with that note, we are going to watch episode 24 of Gundam Seed, War for Two. It is available on Hulu, and if you have a Hulu subscription, it's worth uh, watching. And if you don't, hey, you can get a free trial and mainline Gundam Seed, and that might be worth your time, too. All right, so the episode begins, uh, unlike most episodes of Gundam Seed, which is a straight previously on Gundam Seed, where we <laughs> see Kigali shooting down Athens pl- transport, the Aegis dropping, Kigali crashing, and getting to the other side of the island, where she sees Athern and draws her gun on him and does a power slide for that plus two on her attack roll. Actually, it's a minus two accuracy check. Actually, I think she gets disadvantage. I'm pretty sure Gundam Scene works mostly on rule of cool for your advantages, so 
So they're playing Fate or something? Yeah. And uh, Kigali is advancing slowly on Atherd, who is without his gun, hiding behind a rock. And then we get the openings. So, forgetting, of course, that a gun works best when you aren't close to somebody who can possibly take it away from you. You know, I I get the impression that Kigali is not a great foot soldier through so, this episode. Atherd is definitely the best foot soldier that we've seen by far, so far. I mean, Moo might be better. We haven't seen him doing any foot soldiering, uh, though. Kira actually, did I a think, little bit. I think Maru was actually quite a lot more capable than anything else we've seen from the first episode. Yeah, she knew how to t- take cover, take shots at, like... Get into a cockpit. <laughs> well, she was pretty much holding her own, pretty much on her own. That's fair. With a submachine gun, I feel? Uh, I think, I think it was a, a rifle. Pistol, no, she, she had a rifle before, and then it ran out. You're right. I forgot about Maru. That is a good point. Kira is really good at Batman combat where he takes your gun and throws it at you, but not good at, like, soldier combat. Well, as He's we'll like see, secret agent combat. Kigali is less good at throwing guns at people. <laughs> well, she's not a coordinator. She's blonde. <laughs> um, she has, no, I was going to say she's got a reasonable hair color, but so does Kira. Should we count how many bullets she wastes? Sure, that's worth doing, I guess. Uh, that's not really, that's not a good counting because Although, also, firing from a pistol is not great accuracy in the first place. And we already have lost count because she fired some last episode. When you can't really anticipate anybody being 100% accurate with anything, much less a pistol while sliding down a hill. Uh, so we start with uh, the bridge of the Archangel where they're trying to figure out where Kigali is since presumably Kira and Mu have returned <laughs> at this point. Uh, and Natario suggests listing her as MIA. So there's nice some nice uh, exposition where Sai's like, Whoa, what's that? And uh, well, the right, uh, guy's replies, yeah, it's missing in action. Which makes more sense in Japanese where those words probably don't, you probably don't say missing in action <laughs> yeah, in English very often. They're MIA, which actually means we actually think KIA, but uh, we can't prove it. So, And then they turn up on your doorstep 12 years later with a volleyball with a blood stain on it. So Maru asks how long until the sun goes down, and Marielle is like, I don't know, an hour? And she decides to uh, search for her, to Natarl's protest, since they're in Zaf territory. I feel like the entire Earth is Zaf territory, even the Earth Federation strongholds. I, Alaska isn't Zaf territory, Panama isn't Zaf territory, and Orb isn't Zaf territory. Is Orb on Earth? Yes. Okay. You'd think that there'd be some kind of distress beacon built onto the, sh- onto the fighter. There is. We'll talk about it a lot in this episode. But basically, Zaft is super jamming the airwaves so they can't get a lock on it. That is eventually eventually how they find her, is the Mm. distress signal from the ship. Apparently, they just need to get close because of interference. Okay. So uh, Maru says, no, we've got to keep looking for it. You can write whatever the hell you want in your reports. And I like Maru as a character, but this seems to ring false to me from both ends. Maru is getting too passionate about finding Kigali, and the Tarl's getting a little too against it but that said the tarls portrayed very reasonably and then maru just kind of goes off on her well i i can actually kind of see it because maru is kind of the uh mother hen i was gonna say emotional component to the primary like three commanding officers yes and uh kigali even though she's not technically part of them is a member of their crew essentially and so i can i can really see maru being very much on the side of uh, no man left behind yeah, it's just she's going too strong at it here. Like, this scene would be better if they look for her for an hour and then they have it, I think. So, you guys mentioned a couple episodes ago that there's some secret with Kigali and you're wondering whether Rambo told the bridge crew and about I, it. And we will find out next episode he didn't. But if he did, it would explain this scene a lot better to me. It would, yeah. yeah. I still don't know what that is. So, so what's your guess, Tyler, right now? Knowing what I know about the original Gundam, she's a princess of some sort. And I think in the original Gundam, it was actually, like, Zaft that the female mystery character was part of. Zeon. Zeon, sorry. And she didn't know that, but it was true. And, and she's a princess of a dead leader. So it's kind of a, she could be used for a claim on the throne, theoretically, but the way the government was in there, it was not likely. And also, Shar was a way better use for that claim because he knew what was going on and was the older brother. So I'm assuming Kigali is one, a princess of some sort and two, someone's sister, <laughs> which is pretty vague. Why would you think she's someone's sister? Just be- okay. Well, because Gundam has some symmetry and as I'll point out, as we get later in this episode, I keep seeing star Wars references in this movie. Oh yes. 
I almost want to watch Revenge of the Sith before we do Gundam Seed Destiny, because unfortunately that seems to be the plot map for Gundam <laughs> Seed Destiny. So, There's a plot map? Yes, but it's Revenge of the Sith. So you can see when you're using that as a map how you might get a little off course. Okay, to I be can fair, see that. no one dies in childbirth in Gundam Seed Destiny. I think someone might come back to life in childbirth. <laughs> <laughs> that is that is such a train wreck. No, One so- day. Not that far away. So the reason I'm I'm saying this is because I, I can't remember what other things are tipping me off, but Kigali keeps having these moments with Kira that are not quite romantic, but almost. And this entire episode where Kigali's hanging out on an island with Atherin feels like Han and Leia to me. So I'm going to take a guess and say that Kigali is Kira's sister. And also she's space princess, which I guess makes him space prince. Interesting theory. Except I, I feel like Kira would know if his parents were space royalty. It, yeah, interesting. At the very least, Catherine would know. I kind of see what you're saying, Han Leia wise. I definitely see that. But also, I'd seen OHMS team, and this is not an uncommon Gundam trope. It doesn't appear in the original series really in this form. But since it's all about the horrors and war, they often use relationships on both sides of the battle to kind of emphasize that. Huh. There's an episode like this in Code Geass. I, I believe that. they. I think Code Geass came out shortly after and was probably very inspired by Gundam Seed, just because Gundam Seed was so popular that anything coming out immediately after it was probably taking a little... No, I can see that. So anyway, yeah, uh, they all kind of have shocked looks at Maru, who's like, I can't give up on her. And again, it's the way she says it. It's kind of like specifically her that makes it seem to me like she knows what's going on. I do agree with Zach. She doesn't want to give up on anyone, and that makes sense. But there's just... I don't think it's portrayed super well. And we go back to the island where Kigali is slowly creeping up on Atherin's uh, cover, despite the fact that you could easily go around it, away, away from where he's standing. She wanted to sneak up on him. She doesn't She doesn't want him to have a line of sight on her. Well, she now knows he doesn't I have guess, a gun. I guess they, they could see each other the entire time. Never mind. <laughs> yeah, she notices Atherin's gun and start comes, co- starts coming around. I do really like how slow and cautious she is here. It's um, intelligent. It, and it adds a lot of tension to the scene. And Atherin slowly sinks down and, and goes for a crotch knife. I think it's actually a boot knife. <laughs> yeah, I think it's supposed to be on his boot. I do really like the design of the knife. It's just got a little bit of a curve to it that makes it look a little futuristic while still clearly being a knife. It's not too anime, just it's, a little bit. It's too small, to be entirely honest. It looks like a pocket knife, not an actual combat, combat knife. knife. It's a space switchblade. It, it looks like I'm going to shank a bitch <laughs> type of knife. So they have a tense standoff and Kakaoli's like, It'd be inconvenient if he got this gun. I'm going to kick it away. Which, again, is kind of the smart thing to do. And then he goes for the Captain America leap. And I've talked about how Kira, we're going to find out, is kind of an extra plus coordinator. Andrew Waltfelt kind of hinted at it. But this is one of the reasons I keep calling them Captain Americas. Is Athern is uh, very, like, he's one of the people we've seen the most in physical combat. And he's very anime, and very athletic, he just, very able to close the distance with someone with a gun with a knife. He just parkours up a cliff face while dodging bullets and, like, does a one-handed spring jump. I just, like, that's ridiculous. Normal people don't do that. So now he's hidden from view and Kigali's reload. She starts She's, going, like, in a chasm? Yeah, she has a very nice point of view shot from the other gun, which she goes for. Uh, but that kind of causes her to let her guard down and Atherin DFAs her. And Common Rider kicks the gun out of her hand. See, Kira is all about Batman and American superheroes. Atherin is all about them Japanese superheroes. <laughs> yeah, Kigali really screams, I have very little idea what I'm doing right now. Which is weird because hasn't she been in ground combat most of her Presumably life? Presumably she had, like, when she was actually with the Desert Dawn, they didn't really let her do much of anything. It was mostly Jeep combat. She was mostly shooting rocket launchers <laughs> yeah. from Jeeps and at giant Bakus. robots. Yeah, that's fair. I guess. So uh, Atherin uh, grabs her and does like a judo flip throw. I guess Kigali is five pounds, so. (laughs) She goes way flying all over the place. There's a very nice expression on her face, and she drops the gun, (laughs) which to be fair, if I was thrown like that, I would have a difficult time holding on to a gun too, but. And then Atherin is on her with the knife, and she screams. And then Atherin's like, what? That's a girl scream. You scream like a girl. (laughs) (laughs) And she's like, oh my God, why is everyone on the show sexist? (laughs) To be fair, I think if anybody did that, they'd be ready to uh, probably, everybody would start screaming like a girl at that point. Yeah, it seems very much like you'd seen like a World War I movie when someone dies, right? Any, uh, Any movie where the people being killed aren't just like bad guys, right? I was thinking of that scene out of Saving Private Ryan. Yeah, that's fair. I was thinking more All Quiet on the Western Front, but yeah, same idea. 
So now we get, you know, a cut to some waves, some more some casual things. And when we cut back, Kigali is hogtied and Atherin is throwing all the ammo in the water. I guess because he knows in a physical fight he's going to have the advantage. Yeah. Well, <laughs> she could steal his knife, but it's on his crotch. So. Although he keeps his gun. Maybe because he'll get in trouble if he gets back to base without it. I don't know. As we'll find out later. It's just her gun that he's like, no, goodbye. I'm trying to think of why you would. He doesn't have a place to keep the second one. The first that... one's holstered. So. Yeah. That's true. It's got like a snap lock holster, which is going to make it really hard for her to steal it from him easily. True. And he's like, hey, are you actually an Earth Force's children? He's like, no, Baka. <laughs> <laughs> I don't even like the Earth Forces. <laughs> and also, soldiers don't usually scream. <laughs> I did love her reaction. She kind of She's like, well, sorry, I suck. To be fair, it's like, how often has Atherin actually been on the ground? He's been, we know he's been there a couple of times, but how much ground combat has he actually seen? He and Rusty went into VR simulations a lot, and Rusty <laughs> never screamed. He does seem like he's got the most experience of any of the characters we're familiar with with ground combat, but he is still a pilot. Uh, so he starts, you know, putting it all together. He's like, hey, you're the one who shut down my transport. What were you doing out there? And he, he goes into very soldier mode, just like interrogating her now that she's been detained. It seems very training heavy. Like, this is what he was trained to do in this specific situation. And then Kigali flips onto her face and starts doing the worm to show her approval of this situation. <laughs> uh, she kind of puts two and two together since she's seen the Aegis and asks if he was one of the people who attacked Heliopolis and tells him that she was there. And I think we don't, this is never explicitly said. I think this makes Atherin assume that she's like Kira and she's one of the friends he was trying to protect, who just kind of got swept up in everything. To be fair, Entirely she kind of is. Yeah, he's not wrong, but he's not one of the. She's not one of the initial people Kira nah. was trying to protect, and I. The, based on his expression, I think it also might be because he feels a little responsible for what happened on Heliopolis. Well, that's definitely true. He will later <laughs> kind of contest that that's not what he wanted to happen. Well, he gives kind of a half-ass defensive. We, well, it wasn't supposed to all blow up. To be fair, that wasn't in the plan, and it actually kind of was Kira's fault. But I think. Kigali's story is a BS story that just happens to be true, right? And I think this bit of information Atherin has is what makes him kind of believe her. Kira being... Yeah. So then, speaking of Kira, we cut to the strike, and Natarl's kind of giving Kira the his mission briefing on searching. She says that there's so much interference with the airways and radio waves that a distress signal probably won't be heard. And basically, there are a ton of small, uninhabited islands, so he goes out to search. And Kira's like, I can program better radar. <laughs> Maru's all like, oh, yeah, and you must be exhausted. I'd hate to do this, but Kira's very sullen and, like, on mission. He's willing to do it. Well, and also, let's face it, beardy guy, basically no effort. <laughs> well, and honestly, it makes a lot of sense where he's very on mission because he, he killed somebody. And uh, this is actually much more up on his alley. He doesn't really want to kill people. He's already kind of made that clear. And this is search and rescue. We get a pretty nice shot of Sullen Rambo as Maru's telling him to come back in two hours, even if he can't find anything. Similar one for Moo, which is pretty nice and, you know, probably really cheap because there's not much animation on it. <laughs> I really wish that had a better place for it. And it kind of culminates with Flay picking up all her makeup from the barrel roll, which is another just That's tiny nice bit of continuity <laughs> I love. Because Flay doesn't care about Kagali and probably isn't even aware that she's missing. But man, is her makeup all over the place because who does a barrel roll in the atmosphere in a battleship? <laughs> hey, it worked. It did. <laughs> it's an opening. That's my favorite Naruto attack of the subtitles attack where he goes to summon a giant frog and summons a tiny one. And his opponent just like stares at it in disbelief. And Naruto's like, well... Punch in the face. <laughs> anyway, we get a shot of the strike launching on search efforts. It looks pretty reused. <laughs> yeah, well, it's got the, bazooka, got the bazooka for some, for some reason. reason. <laughs> well, just in well, case there are more goons. I guess it wasn't lost at the bottom of the ocean. In case he needs to blow something up. So then we cut to Zaf's Car Carpentaria base, complete with subtitle. Uh, we see Nickel and Diarca in a waiting room. Nickel looks all worried. Diarca's reading some cool comics. And Izak walks in, and he takes like a very formal stance. So Nickel's like, hey, what's up? And he's like, members of the Zola team, I would like to give you an update on our first honorable mission. No mission could be more important. We're to search for our leader. And Darka is cracking up. And you can see Izak is trying so hard to act serious. And Nickel is not having it. Yeah, our friend is maybe dead. It's hilarious, guys. But uh, Carpentaria is too busy 
with preparations for Operation Spitbreak to look for them themselves, so they gotta do it. Wait, <laughs> actually, can we pause for a second? Because it just occurred to me, is Operation Spitbreak a colony drop? That's an interesting theory, huh? Because <laughs> that's a very Gundam thing to do. It Zero is. Zero colonies have dropped in this series so far. <laughs> Well, usually they save those for the end of the series anyway. Or the pr- a lot of times they're in the prologue. Like in the original series, it's backstory. <laughs> That's why the Earth is such a shithole in the original series. A colony got dropped on it. But they kind of interrupted the colony drop and it just hit Australia. So it's not as bad as it could have been. Man, no one pays attention to Australia so, anyway. So um, these are my predictions for the series on this episode. Is one, Kigali's a princess. Two, Kigali's a- Kigali is Kira's sister. Three, Operation Spitbreak is a colony drop. <laughs> We'll That's see how many of those fun. bear truth. Um, here, I kind of, I've always read it as a, kind of a sardonic setup, at least from Diarca, and given his personality, that, you know, this is a great start. Yeah. The, the first thing we have to do is find our own leader. That's the first mission. Not Not go shoot down Archangel or anything like that. No, go find our guy. This is fantastic. Great omen. Great opening here. And with Isaac, I think he thinks he should be commander. And to him, this kind of proves it, even though it's not Atherin's fault. I also think they very much don't believe Atherin can die. A little bit of that is teenage invincibility. A little bit of that is they have the best suits. But he clearly says he'll be fine. He has the Aegis. Oh, also, Atherin dies at some point. I'm not, I'm not sure when, but definitely Atherin dies. <laughs> Atherin dies is on the prediction list. Yep. <laughs> Do you think he gets killed by Kira, killed by Kigali, or incidental? Um... Like, oh, or, man, or like tragic random death. Okay, like Wash from uh, Firefly. Sure. Man, I really feel like killed by Kigali should be really low on the list, but... <laughs> Since she's bad at killing people. Yeah. Although they do have this, like, tender character moment here, so... Um, I, I would say probably not incidental. So. Okay. Although the show does... Say, so D, none of the above? Uh, No, no, it's definitely... It's almost definitely going to be either Kigali or Kira. Simply because they have the whole character interaction, it's going to be a pivotal moment for one of them. I'm just not sure which. So the sun's about to go down, like we've already established. So they're going to take a cool nap and then look for Atherin in the morning. <laughs> a cool nap. Well, yeah, Diarca and Isaac, everything they do is cool. At least they think so. Nickel, nothing he does is cool. He's a nerd. He plays piano. What a loser. Well, and honestly, while Nickel wants, clearly wants to go out and start searching immediately... In a way, the fact that the sun is going down is actually Isaac and Diarca are right. And you Af- don't want to be out trying to find him at night because you're going to be able to, or you're, you're going to miss a lot of things that you wouldn't miss in daylight. And Although- they, know, they know the area is dangerous because he got shot down. I presume that the transport was able to actually escape and report. That they had been forced to drop yeah. Atherin. Yeah. Well, I mean, that. That makes a lot of sense, given that Kigali didn't hit it critically enough, and, and presumably they, Mu didn't hit it, because she was off somewhere where she wasn't supposed to be in the first place. Well, they And uh, they said that they'd be fine if they jettisoned the Aegis. Yeah, that's my assumption. Is So they kind of know about where he is. I would actually say that searching at night might be a good idea, because he has access to artificial light, which would be really easy to see in the ocean at night. That's a fair point, since that's this is true. all uninhabited. If he was smart enough to, like, light a flare. Which he does. Well, at least he sends out distress buoys? I think it's a distress beacon. I think it's like a radio wave thing. Anyway. So we cut back to the island. Uh, Atherin is in the Aegis kind of looking for basically any transmissions when he notices a storm is coming. Of course, that would make things a lot more difficult for uh, <laughs> anyone Kigali, trying to search. We see Kigali worming up the hill. <laughs> it's hilarious. She is, you know, she's not going to go down without a fight. She, like any good soldier, is trying everything she can to escape. She's just not being the most intelligent about it. So you mean, like, not like any good soldier, like a soldier? Because she's clearly not a good soldier. Fair enough. But, you know, you're, you're supposed to be trained to do anything to escape if you're caught. The thunderstorm's starting as she does this, and she falls over. She ends up falling in, like, a little creek, basically, getting all wet. It's like and a then, tide pool. Yeah, and then the sky opens up on her, and it starts raining as she stares up into the sky. And she's like, See, well, that's would, inconvenient. Th- this would just have been in a lot of other series. You would have the, uh, this can't possibly get any worse, and then it starts raining on them. Well, and then her, bo- or uh, I guess, hand bindings get caught to the rocks underneath the water where she fell in. So she's actually in danger of drowning now. Yeah, especially when, like, the creek starts getting bigger because of the rain and water starts rushing over her. Meanwhile, Atherin launches his little transmission buoy. Why is the Aegis equipped with a floating transmission buoy? I assume, That's my question. I assume they just have, like, emergency equipment that Zaft put on there, and, like, one of the features is it floats. I assume that could be used in space as well. 
or it could have been uh, refitted when they went to Earth. That's I guess that's that's true enough. That's why it took his longer. They ran out of buoys and they had to go put some more on the ship. So there's a kind of funny moment where the Aegis just puts its shield out over Kigali to shield her from the rain. That's kind of cute and kind of hilarious. Yeah, because that's going to matter to the fact that she's currently in the process of drowning. And, you know, it's like putting an umbrella over someone. And Atherin gets out, hey, what are you doing down there? And she's like, hey, can't you see just by looking? And he's like, no, how did you get in this situation? <laughs> he's just got it's the ridiculous. Most, he's got the most, like, bland, sardonic expression on his face to, like, uh... It's like, oh, you know, I don't have to help you, but I have to help you because or, or this is pathetic. Of, I bet if Diarca was here, he would say something hilarious. <laughs> she starts demanding he help her up, and she, he's just like, I don't think you can tell me to do anything. And she's like, just hurry and do it. <laughs> I'm so Sundari. Get me up. <laughs> I, I just like that it, he's just standing there like, you know, I don't actually have to do anything, but I'm going to do it anyway because, you know, this is just pathetic i mean it's a waste of intelligence if you just let her die right there uh he asks if she's all right and like a crab crawls out from her hair a little tiny crab onto atherin's arm and then kind of falls off and it's you know so ridiculous atherin can't help but laugh which i mean i i completely understand that situation this was not what he was expecting when he woke up this morning <laughs> at all and Kigali yeah. doesn't find it funny in the slightest well, partially because she almost drowned well he's also got all the power so he can laugh about something that ridiculous whereas she's kind of on the side of i got nothing going for me right now so anything that comes up that's odd is hurting me here uh, and then he kind of apologizes for it. Uh, and, and again, he's just like, I, I've never had this experience before in my life. And she's like, what, they don't have crabs in space? And they probably don't. Why <laughs> would you bring crabs into space? I guess you could breathe them for food. Crabs are delicious, but... But there's much more efficient sources of seafood, I feel. So Kigali starts literally hopping away. It is hilarious. <laughs> there's a lot of really good physical comedy with Kigali's expressions and movements in this episode. And Atherin's like, where are you going? <laughs> like, And she's like, I'm Sandy. <laughs> yeah, she's like, I hate sand, like Anakin Skywalker will in the future or around this time. So I'm going to let the rain wash me off. And again, she gets like the voice actor, especially the Japanese one, does a real good job with this, too. She sounds so happy to be out in the rain, like getting washed off, which is, you know, pretty weird, but it's very well, well done. As I mentioned earlier, Kigali is very driven by her emotions. She understands that she's driven by our emotions, but she doesn't let that stop her. So <laughs> Atherin thinks it's cute. He smiles. And then he cuts her bindings. He's, he thought it was so cute that he lets her free. He's like, you're harmless. You're basically a bunny rabbit. <laughs> Pretty much. Uh, and I also kind of get the feeling it's also kind of a practical side of things where it's like, you know, if you're I don't die. cut her loose, she's going <laughs> to drown in something. <laughs> she, she's dead in the wild. Is and, really the problem. Well, and then he points out right after that that uh, without any weapons, she really can't do anything to him and anyway. And then she's like, I did not use the safe word. Why are you untying me? She gets <laughs> so upset about it. <laughs> well, after a fashion, it's a monumental side of dis, uh, disrespect. disrespect. Right? Yeah, true. And she definitely takes it personally. She's like, oh, also, there's a crab in your boobs. I don't know how you didn't notice that. I'm not sure how Atherin noticed that because <laughs> uh, she's wearing, like, body armor, so... So then Kigali lifts her shirt, and you uh, see just a bit of underboob, and pervert alert, 14-year-old Jeremy was into it. 28-year-old <laughs> uh, Jeremy, and sure yeah. is some animated boob there. Yeah, that's, it's not even, it's not but, super well animated even. But so. there is a funny bit with the crab just kind of falling out. And she's like, oh, you're right. And Atherin has like a delayed blush. It's like Hercule punched him. Well, uh, he, he was trying to decide whether to laugh at the crab again or to be aroused, and eventually the arousal won out. So, so then we get some, you know, pretty nature shots as transition, and we have the Gundam <laughs> surfacing. <laughs> it looks so stupid. It's like it's not a submarine. <laughs> and we see a clock shot that implies Kira is staying out later than he was told to. Clearly, the strike works perfectly well in the water. <laughs> Once again. Well, it, it's staying near the surface. I don't know. I don't know. It's like a breaching whale. It's just so awkward. It's a head-shaped jet ski. Uh, so then, I'm going to continue to criticize that as often as it comes up. I think this is the last time it comes up. Then I will stop criticizing it next episode. We'll see. I could be wrong. I think that's the last time. Uh, so then we get the eye catch.
Dear Diary, I crash-landed on an island in the middle of nowhere, and I'm not alone. This girl from the Earth Forces tried to shoot me. I easily subdued her and tied her up. She then tried to drown herself on top of a hill, or get eaten by crabs or something. It was weird. I have no idea what I'm doing here. Day 2. I went laser fishing with the Gundam to get us more food. The girl, whose name is Kigali, got angry at me for seeing her while her clothes were drying last night and threw her rations into the fire. I probably shouldn't have untied her. I constructed a rudimentary smoking shack to start preserving the excess fish. Day 3. Kigali and I were talking about the war this morning, and she backhanded me. I realized it was tense, but it kind of came out of nowhere. At least none of the food ended up in the fire this time. I think I kind of like her. Day 6. Things with the Kigali seem to have been leveling out the past few days. I hadn't gotten randomly punched for five whole meals. Until this morning. I mentioned something about how I thought her hair was cute while we are out looking for useful wood, and she froze. I didn't know what to do, so I laughed it off. She made a growling noise, and I turned around to apologize, and there was a fist in my face. I think she broke my nose. Day 12. My nose is better. Don't think it was broken after all. We spent the entire day cloud watching. Kakali sees a lot of animals, but all I see are horrors. I might need to talk to someone about that. Day 17. The cave got flooded last night. A torrential downpour came out of nowhere, and we both barely got out before the whole thing was filled. We got to dry land, and I was cursing our lack of food for the evening. Luckily, somehow, Kigali's pockets were entirely full of crabs. I have no idea how those got there, but dinner was great. Day 22. I finally got a response on the distress beacon. It was Kira. I'm not sure how I feel about that, but apparently Kigali has been hanging out with him for weeks? I'm jealous. We devised a plan to let her be picked up tomorrow while I hide the Gundam. Day 23. She's gone. Things got really weird around her, but I'll miss her company. I think we kind of bonded. Also, I'll miss having all those crabs. So, have we, have we talked about why the numbers on the mobile suits, or on the Gundams, are written in French? They're Latin, I believe. Sink? I could be wrong about that. I, I don't think there's any reason for it, except for they thought that was cool. Okay. Horro! Horro! Catherine hates slackers. Horro! <laughs> Horro! She's like, well, I God guess this is my it, life why now. Can they, why won't they call off the wedding? I keep giving her these stupid things. The, the eye catch makes like has takes on whole new meaning for me after that one episode. <laughs> so our head cannon is just that Atherin is building them to be as annoying as possible to try to get her to hate him. That is what we think is going on. I'm pretty sure. <laughs> Kinda. So when we're back from the eye catch, we're back on the island, some cool establishing shots with the Aegis, and they've found a cave and made a little fire. While Kigali is mostly naked to let her clothes dry, and in a blanket, I should mention. Atherin uh, gives her some zaft rations. (laughs) Zaft rations. And he explains that airwaves are jammed, so there's probably not going to be anyone who picks up on their distress signals soon. And Kigali gives a little bit of backstory and says, hey, it's your guy's fault. And I believe that in the backstory, it's more explained that this is a side effect of the end jammers that they heavily jammed the radio. Yeah, well, basically, Kigali goes, it was your fault. And Atherin's like, well, it was your fault because of this. And Kigali's like, well, it was your fault because of this. And Atherin's like, you killed my mom. <laughs> <laughs> She's like, shit, he wins. <laughs> I, my, mom, my mom was not killed by anybody. My, my boyfriend that I wasn't really into died, I guess. <laughs> Actually, that I wasn't into him at all, so that kind of that saved me an awkward breakup. But... Kigali kind of refuses to take it at first, but he's like, even if it's Zaf food, it's food. My psychic powers told me your pack with all your food washed away earlier. So. Yeah, somehow. Despite the fact that there's no way I could possibly have known that. Um, the only way I can think of that he might have known something like that is that she doesn't seem to have a pack anywhere. Well, and she and gets super embarrassed if, by it, so I don't think she told him. Well, if if he somehow came across her craft, if he'd done more exploring in the time that we've not been he hanging does say around he's on top seen of her ship. So it's entirely possible that he spotted her. <laughs> There's a red <laughs> backpack. Like, oh, there, no, I, I noticed I, one lack of backpack. <laughs> like anything could have happened to it, though, right? Even if it's missing. Well, he's yeah. also space Batman. He's the he's space's greatest detective. So I, it's it's a very awkward. It's thing like the writers there. forgot he didn't know. 
So he takes the ration. She takes the rations and he smiles and drinks some coffee <laughs> because, you know, he's channeling his Andrew Walfelt. I assume there were liquid rations. Well, it could be. I, coffee is very commonly kept in rations because it's very easy to transport. He handed her the like box ration in the cup so sure. I can I can ty- see where Tyler's coming from. What I want to know is why does his survival pack have two cups in it? In uh, case he needs double rations. I imagine it's like a thermos thing and they come apart. Well, if it was a th- if it was like a thermos, there'd only be one cup on top of it. He like, stole her why cup would there off be more. Oh yeah, maybe he took her cup from the <laughs> ship. I don't know. So he's feeding the fire, and like Tyler said, they have a political argument, which ends with my mom died, and she's like, "Shouldn't you be tying me up?" Like I said, didn't use that safe word. <laughs> <laughs> if if I stole your gun, I could shoot you. And Ka- Catherine's like, "You you couldn't steal my gun without me shooting you first. Just don't even try it." He even laughs about it, and but he's like, "Yeah, man." I kind of into this. You will not give up. You do not know when it is time to be done. Kira can just slap you and you like wouldn't react at all. <laughs> and he's very he's somber but very serious when he threatens to kill her if she tries. Which he, I, I quite like. He's not really threatening her. He's just pointing out that he would have to Yeah. To, he'd have to protect himself. No, he's like Bruce Willis going, that's not a threat. That's a fact. Because <laughs> like, like threatening would be, you know, I I'm going to kill you if you take my gun. It's I'd have to kill you if you went for my gun. It, it's wording is an important situation type of type of place here. Yeah, they're having a very friendly relationship almost. Nathan's trying to be friendly despite the weird situation, and Kagali almost wants it to be more formal. Like as much as I make uh, crass jokes about it, I do think she's kind of almost uncomfortable with how casual he's being about this situation. Well, yeah, because you're expecting to be treated like a prisoner in this kind of a situation. He's treating her like an actual person rather than... Like she's a civilian whose plane crashed. Yeah, or an awkward situation between two people who happen to be caught on the same place. So we should put a screenshot up at some point. But just pay attention to how close to the fire Kigali's clothes are, because later on, they're going to leave them there for like six hours. That's a fire hazard, guys. It's okay, they're fireproof. (laughs) They're fireproof clothing. Well, yeah, but they could have caught... They're plot-proof clothing. Uh, they're space clothes. So Atherin brings up Heliopolis and is like, man, that's that's not what we meant to happen. Which is true, but it's also, like, it's the way war is. But we see Atherin's not exactly an idealist, but he very much believes in the cause that Zaf's fighting for, because, as we know, his mother died. Well, the thing is, he specifically states, um, we never dreamed that the colony would blow up like it did. And quite honestly, given their information, it makes sense that they would never dream that the colony would get destroyed based on what they were doing because they didn't realize just how much firepower the mobile suits that the Earth forces were building could actually bring to bear, especially the launcher strike. Because if you remember that first episode, they're incredibly surprised when Kira basically wipes out Le Creuset's like arm and leg at the same time with that and blows a massive hole in the side of the colony. But their response is heavy weapons, so it is Zaf's fault for responding basically in kind. And uh, Atherin defends himself. He's like, yeah, Orb was supposed to be neutral, and they were developing weapons of mass destruction, basically, on the colony. So we couldn't ignore that. We've talked about how this show shows both sides complexly. Zaft is not the evil empire. And so I think this is Kigali realizing that. I think Kigali's been very convicted about her belief that she should fight against Zaft. This is her kind of realizing, hey, they're people too. Yeah, she's saying Zaft are the bad guys, and um, here she's kind of finding out that Zaft isn't necessarily all bad guys, and the Earth Forces aren't necessarily all good guys. And it's also telling the audience, if they're like little kids in the target market, who haven't maybe picked that up yet. But, you know, Kali makes the valid point, yeah, lots of my friends are dead because of you guys, because you counterattacked. And we weren't even your enemies, we were just like in a place you wanted resources from. In that case, they actually shot first. The Desert Dawn shot first, whereas Waltfeld kept trying to give them the opportunity to back off. And Atherin's like, yeah, let's not talk politics. It never works. And Kigali's like, I'm going to go take a naked walk. (laughs) (laughs) Atherin's into her feet. (laughs) It seems to have stopped raining as well, but I suppose it would be warmer in the cave. Fire or no? Yeah, it's got to be cold. It's kind of weird that Atherin left the cockpit open to the Aegis and I'm not We'll see him jump in later. I think he wants to hear if there are any transmissions uh, and quickly be able to respond. So and Kig- it's not like she'd be able to get to it and steal no. it before he could react anyway. I was thinking because of the weather. Like, you really don't want rain in there. It's probably a sensitive system. Uh, yeah, a fair point. 
That's true. Kigali has some flashbacks to the first episode and him, her yelling about her father. And he's like, hey, don't you fall asleep. I mean, Nathan's like, oh, no, I'm totally all the awakes. Transmitter, tra- uh, transfer, tra- trans, jet blah. He's, he's jet lagged, basically. Yeah. He's had a day. <laughs> Quite a day. Because well, he yeah, he's only like basically just arrived on Earth. He saw infinity percent more boob today than he thought he was going to. <laughs> well, yeah, because he, he came down on Earth like this day, then immediately was shipped out across the like six or seven time zones. And was shot down. And also, going back to the Kigali couldn't get there first, she's also a natural, he assumes. So she probably couldn't pilot it anyway. That's true. So Kigali is just sitting by the fire, and she looks meaningfully at Atherin's gun. That's not a metaphor. (laughs) We then cut to the Archangel, where Kira is trying to go back out. Uh, He's like, ah, man, I rested. And Moo is like, ah, you were laid down for an hour. And also, you came back late. No, you have to go sleep. You are the pilot. You're the only one who can help us. Go sleep. The captain ordered it. Well, specifically, lying down for an hour while on alert. Presumably talking to Birdie. That's that's (laughs) specific. Ignoring Flay. (laughs) She might actually be asleep. He has some flashbacks to his awkward hug with Kagali, though, and is really desperate to go out and find her. But Moo's like, hey, in five hours, the sun's going to come up. I will take my plane out. This is actually all my fault because I'm the one who let her sortie. So I'm ashamed and I should be able to do something. You don't have to do everything yourself. I mean, I know you are the main character and literally you have to do everything by yourself. I'm aware of that, but you don't have to do everything by yourself. <laughs> yeah, you, can, you can put some emotional burdens on me. I'm the cool uncle. And I really do like this movement from Moo. We talk about how great he is and how he is the cool uncle. And this is him doing a good job of being the parental figure. He's the only reasonable adult in the story, which is crazy because he is a crazy person. I really like that because initially we see him kind of being that more of the jovial, you know, you need to go get some rest because you're no good, you know, tired and all that. That's not enough to be uh, go to sleep for an hour and then go back out or anything like that. And then when he stops Kira from, like, walking off, he's got this really frustrated, angry expression on his face that we haven't really seen before it, now. He's legitimately torn up about it, but he doesn't let Kira see it, which I think is kind of important. Well, he, he lets him see that he's really frustrated, but he doesn't let it really show the fact that he's really torn up about the fact. But I really like that because it shows another element to him because she was his, you know, wingman, as it were. And he's not wrong in the side that fair, it was did- kind of his fault that... She got shot down. Although I don't think he realized how bad off her navigation was. Or how like how poorly she can navigate. I guess she got kind of disoriented. You're in the sky with no landmarks. But he did basically tell her to go back to base. And then she didn't. Yeah. Just, it makes me seem more like a character who uses humor to bury serious situations than just a kind of goofy guy. And then we're back with Kigali and Atherin. And Atherin has apparently fallen asleep. <laughs> yep. Well, he fell asleep last time. Kigali has some more flashbacks, just vi- uh, vocal ones, to Heliopolis. And she slowly walks over to Atherin, presumably intent on sealing his gun. And then the voice of Atherin tells her not to seal that gun because he's going to shoot her with it. And she hesitates. She's clearly very angry about hesitating, too. Like, she wants to be this capable person that Atherin keeps insisting she's not. And Atherin wakes up, which is super awkward. So she uses her blanket as a distraction to cover him and has the gun, which is a super cool shot. And she's super vulnerable. She's literally in her underwear holding the gun while Atherin has the knife out. Uh, She's even apologetic. And she's like, I know that this is all Orb's fault for making that mobile suit. And I don't want to shoot you. But, like, you will continue to kill people with that. Atherin has a very stone cold, very serious response to this, which I think shows that he is the most serious character when it comes to combat in the series where he says then you'll have to shoot me because i'm the person who pulls the trigger on the mobile suit he's a soldier yeah gundams don't kill people i kill people yeah (laughs) he's a soldier and he's actually acting like it well and he's stating his morals he doesn't feel compunctions about killing the way kira does he doesn't want to kill kira his friend and he doesn't want to kill kigali who's just this girl but he does feel what he's doing is the right thing which i really like very serious Atherin is contrasted with Kigali who's crying but we see Atherin is sweating and very it's a very tense situation and Kigali's not pointing the gun at him she's pointing it up but you know very easy to move and she flashes back to the ghost of sexy Rambaral who is also pointing a gun at her who's basically like everyone has to kill each other otherwise the war won't end coffee <laughs> and she's realizing the same thing Wolfo was realizing which is like there's no good way to end this war and killing Atherin certainly won't end it 
And in her frustration, she goes to throw the gun. And Atherin's like, no, gun safety is the only thing I care about as much as Kira. And he goes in the sepia tone like before. <laughs> when, when I was younger, my first thought was maybe he thought she was going to shoot him. But the way she's reacting basically says there is no way in hell she's ever going to get that gun in the right place before anything happens. So Atherin dives for her in sepia tone while she throws the gun on the ground. It goes off. Uh, Atherin goes to protect her. He actually, you know covers her, dives down on her, and gives her a very serious gun safety talk, which is not out of place. Um, <laughs> she's like, geez, sorry. She's like, kind of scared. And he's like, what the hell is wrong with you? Which, you know, very emotional response. And she sees that he actually got kind of nicked by the bullet. Again, somehow How? he took two glancing blows from a bullet in the same day. He's got a lot of hit points, guys. He's a main character. He's like level six by now. You can't kill him with one shot. Damn. It's so awkward because apparently, like, how the thing managed to land properly to nick him like and that. And not because it hit him on his right side, which is the side he had towards Kigali after he dofer. So that means the bullet would have had to have passed between them somehow? I think the bullet, bullet shot before he covered her. I, I would believe that. That seems like the only reasonable time. He goes to his medical bag, and Kigali Alsundere insists that he let him, like, dress her, his wound to make up for shooting him. <laughs> well, and, like uh, to make up for all the nice things he's done for her, even though really he probably should have just killed her. And she needs to feel like she can do something, I think, since he is kind of treating her like a child in a lot of ways. I can see that. And finally, Atherin relents if she'll agree to put on some clothes, which is a nice reminder to everyone that she's in her underwear. This makes her super blush and kind of fall to her knees. And, you know, it's clearly very frustrating for her, though she didn't care until it was pointed out. So then, you know, there's a cut, Kigali's dressed, Atherin is shirtless, and we get some wound dressing. Yay for shirtless uh, Atherin? That might have been a little bit on the overkill side of things for all the bandages. She's like, I'm going to use all the bandages. Well, as pointed out, she's clearly not a foot soldier. She has no idea what she's doing when it comes to medical. Or, yeah, uh, it's like a three-inch <laughs> scrape along one side. Field dressing. So then we cut the nickel in a plane going to look, and then also the Sky Grasper launching with Moo in it to search for Kigali, and the strike launching again. Same footage as before. Still got the bazooka in case of water trubs. <laughs> and uh, Atherin, I guess he has a signal watch because he realizes he's getting a communication. It's like my Fitbit is going off. I hit my subs for the day. Uh, he runs for the Aegis, and he hears Nickel, who is relieved. He's like, okay, I'm going to come see you. And Atherin's like, well, this is mildly inconvenient because I got this chick here, and... Uh, and then he realizes, I guess the buoy is also our radar, because he realizes something's coming from the sea. And he assumes that it's uh, Earth forces. And Moo's like, yeah, I can read the distress signal. That's almost definitely not the Aegis. Well, they don't know the Aegis went down. And I also assume the Earth forces have, probably have a specific frequency for distress calls. Yeah, probably. And they, they have literally no idea that Atherin's on, the, on this island, or even that he's in the area. That's fair. It's hiding its power level. Uh, so Atherin's like, yeah, I'm going to go hide my mobile suit so whatever's coming doesn't see it. But if you go to your aircraft, you'll probably be fine. Well, to be fair, I mean, if he didn't hide it, Kira and Moo are both coming in the same direction. So basically, he's looking at overwhelming force. And he doesn't know it's Kira, so he can't think, ah, oh, Kira probably won't shoot me. <laughs> yeah, he just knows there's something coming, and it's probably not Nickel. It's somebody else. Yeah. Although if Kira and Moo did both show up, he'd probably be taken prisoner. Yeah, probably. Moo would be like, yeah, let's get that guy. Boom, let's, boom. let's take that. Let's grab that thing. Uh, well, imagine if they had another mobile suit on the Archangel. It would be really useful. Yeah, he's but gonna then remember it. he's got to have someone to drive the thing. Uh, well, Kira can pilot both like VR <laughs> style. That would be great. No, I was thinking just when the Strikes battery pack runs out, they can just he's launch switched. the Aegis at him. So he can just die. Oh, it would be pretty cool to get a shot of him diving out of one cockpit into another. I won't lie. But uh, so they kind of have an awkward goodbye, uh, you know. Kigali, again, is very clearly very thankful, and she's leaving. She's like, oh, hey, I'm Kigali. What's your name? Somehow that didn't come up when we were talking politics. Oh, also, he's like, hey, you're, re not re you're really not an Earth soldier who's going to screw me over later, right? And he's like, oh, man, no one I'm fighting is a soldier. I feel kind of bad about this. And he's like, yeah, my name's Atherin. No last name, so that we don't get into the weird political uh, implications of who we actually are. I'm Kigali Space Princess. I'm Atherin Space President Son. <laughs> I, I would love to know where exactly he hides the... 12 meter tall in one of the chasms, 75 ton aegis maybe on an just, island maybe he just gets on the belly there are lots of large trees you just don't see a huge number of shots of them uh not that big on an island that small 
I mean, you say that, but Galapagos giant syndrome. Also, we get this awesome ending shot of the strikes head just popping up out of water awkwardly. Yeah, and this the episode ends on like the happiest shot of Kigali as she says Kira's name. She looks like she just got a puppy, and that puppy was made of flowers, and, and his name's Kira. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, she looks way happier than you'd think. That's because that's she gets to go like take that. a bath for the first time in like two days. I guess she got a raining on earlier to wash all that sand off. All right, and that is the episode. So what do we think? Like I said, I think it actually holds up a bit better than the first episode of OAF MS Team, which has a similar premise. It's a lot less romantic. It's a lot more politicsy. It sort of spells out a lot of the stuff we've been talking about. It uses some stock footage. It's, you know, probably a pretty cheap episode, but they do a lot with facial expressions, just not a lot of action. And I really like it as a slow episode. It's kind of unfortunate where it comes in the plot. The last two episodes haven't been great. It's not like we really need a breather, but it's a breath that's much more refreshing than what we've been getting. It doesn't taste like beard. I like it because it's kind of the first episode we've really gotten that is... People interacting on the politics side of things and stuff like that that don't involve Kira. Yeah, there's very little Kira in this episode. Um, yeah, there's and- Kira being annoyed that he can't go out and help and continue searching for Kigali, and that's pretty much it. And in fact, I feel like, except for his one interaction with Mu, he could have cut Kira out of this episode. In fact, I would have been fine with that because really all I needed was Moo being angsty for once, and that was it. Well, Moo needs someone to angst at, and I guess that could have been Maru easily. I think the episode almost would have been better if it was Moo insisting they keep searching for her. Again, that's not a terrible point. The episode doesn't linger on Maru. It just seems not even out of character, just not very well done. I think it's because they didn't want to break up the search element later on in the episode and try and kind of screw the flow up. Honestly, though, I think you do away with Kira's searching post or longer than he was supposed to, and you can replace that with Maru being frustrated and wanting to stay longer. And that actually and probably Taro works going, a bit better. No, this is logically terrible. Why would you do this? Yeah, that's a good point. Spock, 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 Spock. So, uh, Tyler, what's your high point? <laughs> um, probably the moment where the crab crawls onto Atherin's arm, um, because I, I'm with Atherin at that moment. It's just delightfully absurd. How about your Zach? Oh, jeez. I don't know. I'd probably have to say Moo being frustrated and actually looking like something is actually getting at him for once. So for me, I think it's Kigali's lack of gun safety. It's a really tense moment, and you can kind of feel her frustration. And like Tyler said, she's super emotional, so you can super buy it something she'd do, even though it's incredibly unsafe. And we didn't talk about it. We don't talk about the music in Gundam Seed very much, which is too bad because it's really good. It's just hard to remember. Gundam Seed has a number of uh, songs written for it that have lyrics and everything that it uses, um, and one of those is playing. This the, actually seems like a weird episode to use that on to me. It's but. a very slow song, though, and the lyrics are like very emotional and kind of about frustration. So it's always really, theme. It kind of is. That's kind of how they use it. But yeah, I really like it, and it's nice to see Atherin like, interacting with someone who challenges him this way. Because he kind of sees Kira almost like a kid, like he doesn't know what he's doing. He's being forced into this. And Isaac is, you know, a much different sort of challenge for he, him. Lacus is very supportive of him and kind of very softly challenges him, but he almost doesn't get it. Golly is somebody who's outside of his own realm, you know, the, the plants or well, his organization. Zone. He's not someone he would meet at a bar usually. She's not someone he would normally interact with. And so seeing her point of view kind of from what she's been saying or she was saying to him kind of pokes into that. Cause it's not quite curious. Like you said, he sees Kira as kind of a naive kid and he's not quite that same level, but then dealing with Kigali, who's someone who's not Kira. And so he's not really looking down on him because, you know, she's talking to him relatively speaking as an equal. And she did open up their conversation by trying to shoot him. <laughs> well, they're so kind of forced not, to talk to each other. Right? It's not like Kira's situation where they started as soon as they react, realized who each other were. Kira stopped trying to kill him. Kigali like, was trying to kill him and actually did not make any bones about wanting to make fight him back against him. It's like going to space college. It broadens your space horizons. I think also because Kigali is kind of not a stowaway on the Archangel, but she's not quite associated with him, there's a real chance those two, Atherin and Kigali, can kind of meet up again under vastly different context. So that's kind of an exciting thing where Atherin and Kira, by like their situations pretty much force each themselves at each other's throats. So what about low points, Tyler? I'm kind of having a hard time coming up with one. I guess the one random shot of Nickel in a helicopter. 
<laughs> Actually, no, never mind, because I harped on this so much. The animation of the Gundam's head popping out of the water is just so goofy. It looks so out of place. They, I think they want it to look majestic because they keep doing like a lens flare effect on it. And no, no, it's not majestic. It's about as majestic as a as an elephant taking a dirt bath. Zach? Kira's continued use of the strike underwater. After it being remarked at the beginning of this particular arc, the strike can't operate underwater. Maybe what they mean is it can't operate at 99% efficiency. The strike can't swim. That is a line that was used. Well, it can't, but it can jet propel itself underwater. <laughs> it just can't, you know, do a front strap. I, I think mine is, like I said, the Maru stuff. It just seems slightly off. That said, pretty hard to find low points on this episode, I think. It's pretty incidental stuff. Well, it's kind of hard to find a good high point as well. That's, it's, that's it's, fair. It's not a. It's not an episode with a lot of high and lows. It's very kind of a flat curve. Like that's not to say it's bad. It just doesn't spike or doesn't dip peak. as hard as anything else that we, or a lot of the other episodes we've seen so far. So at the beginning of the episode, Tyler, you said you see this as a very Han Leia relationship. Can you kind of expand? Um, specifically, actually. So it reminds me of that scene in the. Ewok village where Han and Leia are hanging out and talking about Luke and I almost expect like I really almost expected Kigali to go I know he's my brother and <laughs> 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 or actually no for Ather uh, I don't know you know parallels and stuff um I'm not really sure what like a lot of her interactions with Kira have kind of seeded that for me because they have like an awkward quad like I feel like the show wants us to ship them but I don't like it's. I don't know. It's weird. It's not like play Kira shipping. I was definitely shipping them at this point when I first watched the series. I think in an almost rescue romance way, since Flay is clearly bad for Kira. But yeah, now that you say that, I definitely see it that way. They're just a little awkward. All right. So not a lot of mobile suit action in this episode, but we're kind of behind on our ranking curve. So what do you say we put the din on our list? That is Zaf's flying. Dom-ish mobile suit? I thought the Din was already on there. No, it's not. No, we've got the Jin and the other Jin, and I'm trying to find anything else that rhymes with Dim. Din, not Dim. Dom. <laughs> Alright, so do we think the Din is better than the Jin? Because I kind of do. I don't love the Din's design, but I really like the way those wings flare out. So I do too. I, I really like Din. Din? Is it the Din? Yeah, okay. the Din is the one we're ranking. Okay, well, that, as opposed to the dim, um, yeah. I wanted to make sure I'm saying it right. I really like the din's wings, uh, but it, it's oddly seraph inspired, and I'm not sure if there's a thing they're going to do with that eventually. Probably it, not. It but. does have some bitchin' wings. So how do we think it compares to the naked strike and its magic knives? Magic knives. I, I like the naked strike. The din. Li I like those wings, but I don't. It looks it's too. It looks too stylized. It the does look odd, like for a combat vehicle it is pretty ridiculous although as a uh thing i want to own a toy of thanks hasbro i'm uh, sorry bandai. It's, bandai it's bandai it's bandai i'm a guy who plays battletech i like stuff like the highlander extremely looks, practical yeah, it looks like a box they're gonna do some cool things with stylized wings in this series <laughs> at least in my opinion but the din is kind of where it starts we don't see the din do a lot with its wings but that's where that design we first kind of see that design i guess the Jin also kind of has wings but they're not nearly that intense. I think I like a, the Din a little more than the Naked Strike. Is that what you're saying as well, Tyler? Yeah, I mean, I really like the Din. I think more than either of you. But uh, yeah, I think so too. I was also a huge fan of the Dom way back in the day. Oh, I love the Dom. I like the Dom more than the Din. But the Dom and the Din, they have a similar color scheme, and they are both mono eyes. And they have the skirt. But I think that's kind of where the similarities end because the Dom is kind of fat, and the Din is really live, mm. less fat. <laughs> um. So how do we think it compares to the duel with its cool assault shroud? Because I don't know if I think it's cooler than that. I, I think, think it's I canon. Agree. I don't. Okay, so what about the regular old duel? Because I think it's better than that, which is just kind of your generic Gundam. I still like the duel more. I, I prefer the naked strike to the din. I don't think the din is quite as cool as you guys think it is. I really like the din. Okay, so so the din will go between the duel naked and the duel with some fat-ass armor on. <laughs> you can put, like, six wings on pretty much anything, and I'm going to 
I, I'm going to think it's cooler than it should be For otherwise. flying mobile suits, I'm still probably going to like the Ares a lot more for the problems that series has. I don't Ares. care for the Ares, actually. I do. I, I really like the Ares. I liked playing it in Gundam Endless Duel. Heavy Arms. Heavy Arms was actually not great in that one. Uh, he generally outclassed by the wing. Um. All right. So, since we're not talking- Angry Flay. <laughs> yeah. So, join us next time for episode 25, Land of Peace. That's the, the, no, that's not that's not true. That, that that's wrong. Wow. It's dot 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 land of peace. <laughs> no, no, land of peace is in the quotation. So that's the episode title. Dot 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 is comes before she says the title. See the quotes? I wanted it to be dot dot. Also, dot. in that next time on, they totally spoil some stuff because man, there's Kigali in a princess dress. To be fair, I feel like that's in the opening too. Is it not yet? Is that the third opening? So. Okay. I've never seen it before. Okay. The the most they hint at it is when uh, Walfeld's wife dresses her up. Yeah, we've definitely seen her in that dress before. It, it, it's Aisha's doll dress. Yeah, so next time there will be some revelations. There will be some Atherin screaming. Oh, it'll all be good. <laughs> Fun. Yeah. We, we haven't had Atherinks in a while. Join us next time for Land of Peace. It'll be cool. I promise. Don't you do it. Bye. been a last podcast production copyright 2019 you know it's too late to start this tradition now but i think asking tyler who he thinks is going to die next episode would